0: Good morning fellowship, we're so glad to have you here. Will you stand and worship with us?
1: I'm gratefully overwhelmed by the culture of generosity that's growing among us here at Fellowship. For so many of us, gift giving is a powerful way to express what we mean to one another. And as a church family, uh, the gift is a special way that we come together to express to God our gratitude for all that he has done for us. Last year, our church family gave over half a million dollars to ministry initiatives outside of Fellowship we were able to address things like homelessness and sex trafficking and hunger and prison reentry. Uh, the list goes even beyond that. Well, this year, our elders will prayerfully consider how to use the gift to live out our vision of changing the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. So I'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating to the gift. You can do so by simply going online and giving, or you can use the envelopes that you'll find in the foyer. Thank you for the many ways that you're helping uh, reach our communities and beyond through the practical generosity of our gifts, and may we never forget to remember the goodness of God.
0: Good morning. It's really good to see you guys this morning. What a gift to be able to worship together, and watching that video again really makes me proud to be a part of this church family. Your generosity towards the gifts in the past has really helped some of the most vulnerable in Northwest Arkansas and also around the globe. So just want to say thank you, thankful for you. And if you were here last week, you heard Mark talk about peace. And one of the things that I was left with as I pondered that um, just... The peace of the coming of our Messiah King, he quoted a guy um, by the name of F.B. Meyer, and if I remember the quote correctly, it went something like this, faith, not faith, no peace, (laughs) peace, peace is joy at rest, and joy is peace dancing, so guess what, friends, Today is all about joy, and so however you want to express your joy this morning, feel free. Let it overflow. Maybe lift those hands as you're singing a joyful noise, or maybe even some dancing. Dancing, it's allowed today. Dancing is allowed. So let's, together, let's worship with joy today. And Christmas is coming. We are one week out. And so check out these service times. I'm going to let you look at them on the screen because last service I said them incorrectly. Um, The morning ones are 845 and 1030. And those services are going to be kid-friendly services. And this place is going to be full. Um, We're going to have littles all the way up. So if, if you're interested in a joyful, fun, active service, 845 and 1030. And then our evening Christmas Eve services are really geared towards, I would say if you have older elementary and up, would be a great um, option. And those two services, as you can see on the screen, are 6.30 and 8 o'clock. And so just choose one. You've got four options as you're making your Christmas plans. Choose one. And then what always comes a week after Christmas Eve is New Year's Eve. So I wanted to give you a little heads up. Those services, it'll be a Sunday morning again, 8.45 and 10.30, just our normal service times. The thing you may want to note, though, is they'll be all family services. We will have no elementary, early childhood, or FSM services, so we'll all be in here together. So we get the joy for the next two weeks to worship as one big family, And speaking of your family, let's get to know one another. Why don't you stand up and say Merry Christmas to those around you?
2: Good morning, Fellowship. We are so excited to be with you this morning. I'm Beth, this is my husband, Bobby, and we live in Southeast Asia with our daughter, Annalise, and two of our daughters, Devaney and Caden, are stateside in college currently. We would love to read scripture with you this morning from Isaiah 60, one through three and 10 through 11. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Foreigners will rebuild your walls, and their kings will serve you. Though in anger I struck you, in favor I will show you compassion. Your gates will always stand open; they will never be shut, day or night, so that men may bring you the wealth of nations, their kings led in triumphal procession.
3: Selamat pagi, bapak, bapak, ibu, ibu, saudara, saudara sekalian. Kami senang bisa bertemu dengan. Kalian hari ini, mari kita membaca dari Kitab Yesaya, Pasal 60. Bangkitlah, bersinarlah, karena terangmu sudah datang, dan kemuliaan Allah terbit atasmu. Sesungguhnya kegelapan menutupi bumi, dan kelam pekat menutupi bangsa-bangsa. Tetapi Allah akan menyinari engkau dan kemuliaannya akan menjadi nyata bagimu. Bangsa-bangsa akan datang kepada terangmu, dan raja-raja kepada cahaya yang terbit bagimu. Orang-orang asing akan membangun tembokmu, dan raja-raja mereka akan melayani engkau. Aku memang telah menghukum engkau dalam murkaku. Tetapi dalam keringaan aku, aku hani engkau. Pintu-pintu gerbangmu akan selalu terbuka. Tidak akan ditutup baik siang maupun malam. Supaya orang dapat membawa kekayaan bangsa-bangsa kepadamu diantar oleh raja-raja mereka. Terima kasih ya kami Senang bisa menikmati kebersamaan walaupun dari jauh.
2: Thank you so much. We're so grateful to be with you, to serve alongside you. God bless you fellowship.
4: You
5: This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven.
1: On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests.
6: Well, Lord, you are a uh, God of joy. Joy that often uh, transcends our understanding, that brings hope and peace all intertwined together. God, you walk closely with us, yet you are so incomprehensible, which blows my mind, but we are grateful. So with a familiar text this morning, I pray that you would speak even new life into us and help us to experience joy with you together as a body of believers who follow you with our lives. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Right, Luke chapter 2 this morning, if you have a physical Bible with you, we'll have it on the screen as well, Uh, but we're in week 3 of our Advent series as we kind of trace the the different themes that we hit um, each year that Christians have been doing for a long time as we await the coming of Jesus, as we reflect on that, so if you haven't noticed today, we are in joy, Uh, hopefully you get to experience that a little bit, Miss Shirley, You going to experience it this morning? Feeling good? All right. It's going to be a morning where we get to reflect in God's word, where we get to be together, where we get to just turn another page of looking at who Jesus is, how he not only redeems individuals, but how he's restoring our world and all of this that we get to experience through him and what he's done. So if you've ever heard a teaching on joy, you've probably heard someone acknowledge in some way the difference between joy and happiness. So happiness tends to be... Uh, this state of glee, a feeling of glee, based on some type of positive circumstances around us that we're in. But joy tends to transcend different circumstances, and it also can look very differently. It can come in many different forms. And so as we look in God's Word, there's a a story related to the nativity story that is inundated with joy. And what I love is that we'll see it in a couple of aspects, too. We'll see joy played out in different uh, ways. And so One of the things that I've been praying for this week leading up today is that each person who steps in, so the hundreds of us that are here, uh, would get to experience in some way the joy of the Lord this morning. No matter what circumstances you're walking through, I pray that you are able to experience an aspect of the comfort, love, peace, hope, and joy that Jesus brings. So, uh, like I said, Luke chapter 2, something to remember about Luke and the other gospel writers is they weren't always eyewitnesses to the events that we see them write. In Scripture, And so we don't get, uh, as we look at the story of the shepherds, we, we don't get a picture that Luke was standing there with a notepad and recording everything, right? What happens is the writers years later would go back and get eyewitness accounts and through the work of the Holy Spirit would choose certain aspects of Christ's story to put into the gospels. And so in Luke's gospel, we see that he records the birth of Jesus in chapter 2, verse 7, And the very next thing that the Holy Spirit leads him to record is this story of seemingly unimportant or at least unknown shepherds who are just doing their jobs out in a field. And so they're the first members that get brought into this story after Jesus' birth. Not kings, not rulers, not family members, not prophets, not priests, but shepherds. They were first according to Luke's gospel. So why in the world would would God reveal it to them? Who are they? So shepherds tend to have uh, lowly jobs in that culture, kind of seen in some ways as the bottom tier of society. And so you may hear that and go, well, how kind of God to include them in this story. But if you read the whole of the gospel, you know the whole gospel story, and really even especially in Luke, the whole of his gospel account, the idea of shepherds and lowly being included in the beginning should not surprise you at all. So multiple times in the book, of, the book of Luke, we see the poor highlighted as having favor with God, and often the only attribute that we see revealed that leads to that blessedness is their poverty, their lack of physical resources. Even when Mary was pinning the, the Magnificat, what we uh, read last week, what Mark t- taught on This idea of Mary singing this song of praise, I want you to listen to one of the lines in it. She says this, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now, it's not exclusive just for the shepherds, right? Both the story of the, the magi and the shepherds show us that the rich and the poor were welcome in the nativity story. But here, the gospel first comes to the lowly, which is a really important detail for us, especially living in a predominantly middle-class, upper-middle-class society. That's not everybody around us. That's not some of you. And We have to remember to consistently, as individuals, there's a responsibility for us and our church, but us as individuals, to be looking around us and bringing people into our lives, our communities, our homes, our conversations that are different us, because from the beginning, God is making a statement that he is going to bring this good news to all people. So how does he deliver it? Well, we see these shepherds are sitting there, and then an angel appears. So first through one angel, and it's, it's talking about the glory of the Lord being shown around them, magnificently bright, and obviously we don't really know exactly what this would look like, but it immediately stirs in me anticipation for next April when in arkansas a total solar eclipse will roll through here and there will be millions of eyes looking to the sky to try to observe this, this wonder and i'm making it part of my uh, quiet time either the day before morning of or both to go back and reread this story just to have a glimpse of what would it look like to to have your eyes fixed to the sky and then see something like this what kind of joy would overflow now Obviously, the shepherd's response is going to be filled with joy, or I wouldn't be teaching this passage today. That wouldn't make much sense. But when you hear of an unhindered, joyful reaction to something, what comes into your mind? Like, what does it look like? What does it sound like, feel like when someone experiences that? For me, that is an easy answer. It happened about a month and a half ago. I want you to watch and listen to the pure joy in my wife's face. Yay! I have, we've been married a long time, over 12 years. I don't know that I've ever seen her that joyful over something. I mean, it was just like instant. The question is, what was behind the camera that would make her have that type of reaction? It was new keys to a new car, right? Maybe a new puppy, Right, we're not getting a dog, it's not a puppy, but maybe it's just, I came home for the day, and she like, <laughs> oh,
5: you're here?
6: Reaction. I sent this video to some of our friends, Tori and Carter. Tori and I worked together for years as partners in ministry, and so I sent it to them. She was in uh, the bathroom giving their son Michael a bath. Carter was in the other room, and he pulled it up, pulled up the text, and watched the video, and she heard it. She said, what is that? And uh, Carter walked in and said, I'll let you guess. Can you guess what Hunter did to cause Alex to have this type of reaction? And Tori knows me well, and she says, without hesitation, he shaved to a mustache, didn't he? <laughs> Guys, she was right. <laughs> that This caterpillar, like, stirred that reaction in my wife. She loves my mustache. I... I don't get it, Uh, she told me that, uh, oh man, you're gonna show this video? I asked, I got permission. She said, people are gonna think I'm so weird. But many of you have asked like, why I have this. That is why, to get that reaction in my life. But in my head, that is what joy looks like, right? Just this like, oh my goodness, overflowing, smiling. When we look at the scene of the shepherds, what is their reaction? Right? When when they see the glory of the Lord around them, they hear it, they look up, they see this angel, do they go, Yay? It says they were terrified. Like gut reaction, absolute terror. And I'm grateful that Luke includes this detail because I think it's really vital to watch how their emotions kind of play out. And when you consider this is already in two chapters, the third appearance. Of an angel. Let me show you just a glimpse at all three of them. So in Luke chapter 1, we see that an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah and tells him about the birth of his son, uh, who is going to be John. And then in Luke chapter 1, an angel comes to Mary, this is what Mark taught on last week, and tells her about her son that's going to be born. And then the one that we see this morning, the, an angel appears to the shepherds in the field. And notice that all three of them have the same initial reaction it's fear, right? It says that Zachariah was startled and was gripped with fear. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and then the the shepherds were terrified. And so, simply put, probably from having a spiritual being physically now in front of them trying to figure out what is going on, but notice just quickly that Mary's fear isn't from the presence of the angel. It's from the words that he's bringing and the weight that's coming with that. So, you've got this Something about these situations that weren't initially producing what we would think of as a joyful reaction, but then there's the same command from the angel to each of them, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Obviously, the angel can sense that he has stirred some fear or some anxiety in them, which is not the intention because he has good news to bring. So he's saying, don't be afraid, calm down because I want you to hear the good news that I have for you. And each of them was promised two things, birth of a son, birth of a baby, and the joy that would come from it. Your wife, Elizabeth, Zechariah, will bear you a son. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. Then to Mary, you see, you will conceive and give birth to a son. He is going to be great. Um, and then to the angels, good news that will cause great joy for all people because a Savior has been born to you. Now, if you're observant, you notice there's actually not the word joy in the middle, one, right, when this news is delivered to Mary. You can find it. You just have to keep reading a little bit and see the scene where Mary gets this news and she goes and she travels to see Elizabeth, her cousin, and she wants to be with family and to process this, it seems, and so she gets there, and what happens? She speaks, and then you've got John in Elizabeth, Jesus in Mary, meeting for the first time womb to womb, and here's what Elizabeth says. Mary, behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And so for Mary, it took a little bit, and it took someone else revealing it to her to get to experience that joy, but it was part of this announcement. So you've got the first two to a parent, right? And then you've got this this third one that is a public proclamation that says this is good news, not just for you shepherds, but for all people." So what is this good news that was delivered? How is it good for all? Let's break it down because it's packed. So we see that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Savior born in the city of David, the angel says. So about a 1,000 years before this, a guy named David was born in the city of Bethlehem. And he started as a lowly shepherd and would be elevated to a king. And we'll see Jesus trace a similar path in his life. And I'm not going to say much more about that because January 28th, we will actually do uh, an eight-week teaching series. I believe it's eight weeks on the life of David as we see how these themes kind of flow together, Old Testament pointing to Jesus. But we see the angel also says that there's a baby being born that is very, very significant. And here's how you're going to find him. Two identifiers. Be wrapped in cloths, and he'll be lying in a manger. So lying in a manger. I, whenever I hear that, I immediately kind of associate that with the humility of Jesus. That what a humble way to enter this earth, and that is absolutely true. But I also think it was an identifier for these shepherds to be able to find him because they can't fake, Facebook stalk the parents to know what they're going to look like. They probably never met these people. They can't just go to the hospital and be like, "We're here to find a baby," because they'll be like, "We've got a bunch. Which one are you looking for?" So. The angels tell him this is going to be a very specific place, very specific child, a baby in cloths in a manger. Because that is a weird place, obviously, for a baby to be born, but especially the King of Kings. But I love the details of Luke that he includes wrapped in cloths, right? You would assume a baby is going to be wrapped in something, right? But he includes it in here because in the Jewish culture, they had a practice of wrapping two groups of people in these cloths. Newborn babies, and then those after they have passed away. And so from the beginning, Jesus chooses to enter into our world in a picture of the frailty of life. That is what he steps into. But the important thing is really what all of this means. Not just what they said, but what does this mean? And so the angel declares, he is the Messiah, the Lord. Tells him, this child, this is the long-expected Savior. Emmanuel, God with us, the prophesied king, Christ the Lord, this is him. And this proclamation begins with one single angel. And then it says, and suddenly, there's a multitude of them. There's a lot. And we actually don't have the reaction of the shepherds, but they were terrified by one. So I'm just imagining what they're feeling in this moment. But as they see this army of angels, they realize they're not there declaring war, but actually declaring peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And there's so many themes in here that you'll see traced throughout Luke's gospel of humility, the glory of the Lord, Savior, joy, peace. In fact, I encourage you sometime this week in your time with the Lord, just take a minute to read Luke 19. It's fast forward throughout the book of Luke, and what you'll get to is, is Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. We call it his triumphal entry. And on his way into Jerusalem, people start praising and glorifying, and they say two main things. You know what they are? Glory to God and peace. And when I look at Christ's two entries, one into this earth, the other on his way to the cross, I have to believe that this is a statement I should become very acquainted with that this is going to be something that I will be singing to him one day as I get to see him again. And what a day of joy overflowing that will be. But as we talk about a lot, like that's not our only hope. There's joy to be experienced in Jesus today. So how do we do that? When you kind of look at this pattern, I see a little bit of a divide, right? The angel appears and there's this reaction of fear. And I ask myself when, when I hit a circumstance and that is my reaction, fear, anxiety, anxiety, Worry, whatever it looks like. How do I get to joy, right? How do I get from this side to that side? How do I take those anxieties, accept them, the fears, the doubts? And I think I have it. I think I have the answer. I don't have all the answers, but I think I got this one because I think it's sitting right in front of us with the themes of Advent. That there's a reason that we cover hope and peace before we ever get to joy because joy is the expression of an anchored hope and a settled peace. A hope anchored on something that is unwavering and the peace that comes in our lives and in our hearts after that. Sometimes that hope in a situation, in a circumstance anchors and that peace settles in an instant. And we see what we're walking into and we go, I have no fear, no worry, because I know who Jesus is and what he's done. Other times it takes hours or days or weeks, or months, or years for us to fix our eyes on that hope and that peace and allow it to flow out in joy. True joy, though, cannot be experienced. True joy in Christ can't be experienced until you see and understand the finished work and the peace that he brings to us each day. There there are times when I've had to choose joy in life, okay? I'm human, and it wasn't natural. And I think it wasn't natural because I lost sight of those first two things. That all I could see was the circumstance I was in, and I'd forgotten the hope and the peace that I have every single day with Christ in my life. And If you've ever come to an Advent series, and by the third or fourth week, you're like, all these, these teachings kind of sound the same, right? You're always talking about these themes, and they're intertwined. It's hard to see the distinctions. That's because they're all related, because they're all intertwined and overflowing out of Jesus, and they all depend on each other. Now, technically the text that i was given stops right here okay but i think to understand a little more of so what does joy look like expressed i think we got to keep reading a little bit and see how did the shepherds respond to this after the initial fear and the first thing i see is it's almost like they were like every junior high basketball team i've ever seen just going like let's go like we've got this news let's go let's go do something with it let's go let's get out of here it says they, they hurried, right? Other versions say they ran with haste. They, they found this news and had to do something with it. You know, we talk a lot in our church about spiritual disciplines, slowing down, eliminating hurry, like resting in the presence of Christ, prayer in the word, and that is all so foundational for a healthy walk with Jesus. But there are times in our lives where we need to run, and we need to proclaim and celebrate and share because the news that we have, the life change that we've experienced has, has dramatically altered everything about us. And that's what's happened. They're spreading the word. They can't contain it. The shepherds were the first evangelists for Jesus Christ, and we see it here, that they left glorifying and praising God. And where does it say that they went after they go visit him and do all this? It says they returned, which means they went back to the field, back to their day jobs. But now even the mundane task of just watching and protecting sheep has a whole new meaning for them. Because think about the layers that that we see uh, in here. There's so many layers to it. They had just seen the Lamb of God who has promised to take away the sins of the world. If anyone was familiar with what it took to cover sins, it would be shepherds. There's, There's a good chance that many of these sheep were being raised for the purpose of being sacrificed. So if the shepherds fully understood what they had just witnessed, then they would also understand that their potential future livelihood may be in jeopardy because these lambs aren't going to be needed for that purpose anymore. But they did not care. Because of the hope and peace that this Savior was bringing into their lives, it overflowed out of them. And how beautiful and intricate of our Father and the Holy Spirit to orchestrate this to happen. For Jesus, that those tending to the lambs that would be offered as a sacrifice, that they would be the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And what happened? Joy overwhelmed them, and it overflowed out of them. But they are not the only ones who experienced joy in this moment. There's one more at play in here. Do you see it? It's in verse 19. Do not miss Mary and her reaction. Here's what it says. But Mary, in the midst of all of this, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love it. Like, in the midst of this crazy, like, she's now in the early stages of recovering from a pretty traumatic event for a teenage girl, and all these people are coming to visit, and she's holding the king of kings, and what does joy look like for her? Seems a bit more calm now, a bit less hurried. A bit more introspective, maybe, than expressive. So which of these is the appropriate expression of joy, right? It's neither, or it's both, right? We don't have to pick one or the other. Our hope is that we get to experience both ends of this spectrum in full measure over and over again. Even here on Sundays, as we plan worship sets, we do our best not to script your reaction in any way, but really to provide moments where you can see Christ more clearly and hopefully experience him more intimately and more personally and then get to step out in joy with whatever that looks like for you in that season. But I want to remind you of of something, that if this is true, joy is the expression of our anchored hope and our settled peace. What that means is joy is not void of grief. It's anchored in hope. It's settled in peace, but it is intertwined with grief. Alex and I were processing this teaching last night, so we were getting ready, and she reminded me that you can't experience true joy in Jesus without grief, because the reason that we celebrate him and that we have joy is because he has come to fix something, that he has come to sit in that grief, that he's come to redeem and to restore. So without the brokenness, we don't need Jesus, but man, do we need him. And we're able to sit in that and invite him into that. I had a moment last week sitting right over here in the band where I'm watching that All Will Be Well video, and I just break down weeping, like loud uh, weeping, because I had this moment of like pure hope anchored in that that truth is real. All will be well, but it's not well right now. And there's grief and joy and hope all mixed together. And Christ has a way of bringing us into those moments, whether it's in here or in your life, where you don't really know how to describe what's happening except you, you feel his presence. You feel him in your life. And he invites us into moments where we can follow him. And so I'm sure some of you have caught on, but each week in Advent series, we're observing communion together. We're accepting that invitation from Jesus to follow him into this space and, and to, to take this tangible time to remember what he's actually called us into. So we're going to be passing the elements. You can hold on to them. I'll come back up and lead us through that time. But we're going to get a chance to express joy this morning. So I invite you to stand. And I'm going to tell you, we've got two, two songs that we're going to sing together. One is going to feel a little bit more like the shepherd's reaction. So just know that. It may pull you out of your comfort zone. But we can go to the Lord With joy, Even if you're holding elements, if you need to sit them down, put them in one hand, like whatever you need to do, this is a way that we experience worship joyfully with Jesus. The other one's going to have a little bit more of a feel like Mary, where we get to reflect on the simple truths of who Christ is and what he's done. So as you receive these elements, hold them, and let me remind us of the joy that was communicated so long ago that we still hold to today. But the angel said to them, the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, it wasn't just one, but a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests.
0: Like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them.
4: This to remind you, church, this morning, that if you're here and you're weary, that Jesus, he's the restorer of joy. Expound in him. Expound in our trust in him. So we're going to respond really simply with the piano and voices this morning uh, to that truth of who he is. The King of Kings. You in the darkness, in the darkness, you were waiting without hope, without light. Till so from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the. Sing praise the Father. Praise.
6: just sitting over here singing and thinking about the day that we will look into the sky and see a great wonder. And it's not going to be an eclipse. It's not going to be an angel. It's not even going to be a multitude of angels. It will be the king of kings, the man that we've longed to meet face-to-face for so long that we experience daily, but we want to be with so bad, we will get to meet him. And it will be a joyful day. But until that day, we remember what he's done and we anticipate that day. And we do it with joy. And we do it in the way that he's commanded us as his people, a way that brings unity amongst us and fixes our eyes weekly, daily, back on him, remembering the sacrifice that he's done. We do that through communion. We remember his body broken for us, his blood flowed out for us, poured out. Take and eat. And drink it's in that peace and that hope and that joy that we celebrate and that we walk out of this place together so if you have things that you would like prayed for we would love to do that we have a prayer team up here come bring those requests we will pray with you and over you If you're new, you have questions about who we are, find one of our team members in the foyer. We would love to get you connected. But as we go, let me read these verses of truth over us today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we pray overflows out of us this week.